Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor in Focus podcast. We are in the final weeks of the tax year, and many advisors will now be turning to allowances and exemptions to find those last minute tax savings. Today, I'm joined by Sean Moore, tax and financial planning expert at Quilta, to discuss which allowances advisors should be looking at and how they can help reduce the tax burden for their clients. Sean, hello. Hi, Carmen. Sean, you work at a big advisory firm and your advisors will be looking at all sorts of ways to to reduce the tax burden for their clients, including allowances and exemptions. But let's start with the most obvious one first, the ISA and the JISA. You'd expect all advisors to consider those in the final final weeks of the tax year, wouldn't you? Yeah, so so equal to what we do usually in Q1 of the year is is run campaigns in this area because it is kind of a, a once a year exercise. Um, you know, maximise the the ISA and the and the JISA allowances, targeting family groups. So it could be your individual twenty thousand pound ISA allowance. It could be a couple with forty thousand pound ISA allowance. Bring a child or two into that, and it starts to get quite quite big money in terms of what what could be used. Quite a bit of money these days that can go into choices, but absolutely Q1 of 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 the calendar year. Um, what Quill to do is they target campaigns in this area as a as a reminder um, to advisors to to have a look what's been used so far, what's left. Um, add on top of that, flexi ices now. You know, has money come out to free up more money that could go into the ISA during the tax year that the money is from removed. Um, so yeah, very much a Q1 calendar year exercise. Um, to have a look at where the, where the ISA allowance is. Um, I like to call it, um, as I have a five-year-old, tidy up time. Um, so it's very much the end, end, of the, end of the tax year, tidy up time, have a look what there is. And Quilter has a um, flexible ISA product, hasn't it? What, how does that work? Yeah, so, on the, so the Quilter investment platform has a flexi ISA following our technology migration. Um, so any money removed as a withdrawal during the tax year can be added back in to the ISA during the same tax year on top of the 20,000. Um, so it can be quite handy. I mean, it could be small amounts. So it could be um, small regular withdrawals. It could be advisor fees that are being facilitated through the ISA. So it could be just small amounts of money, or it could be that the ISA has helped to fund a property purchase that large money has come out but can be recouped from another property sales, it could be larger sums. So depending on the client, it could be kind of just small top-ups or it could be larger sums that could go back in. But yeah, the key is it's got to go in the same tax year that it's been removed. Right, okay. Um, Now, it's not just ISA those, we've got pensions as well, a um, a very tax efficient kind of savings vehicle. Have you come across the ISA versus pension debate that sometimes crops up and um, under what circumstances would it be right to prioritise the one over the other, or, or should this never should this never happen? Yeah, so it does come up quite a lot, and 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 the reason is that the, the wrappers themselves want the money is is in the ISA or the pension does behave in a very similar way. You know, they have very similar tax efficiencies in terms of gains and income um, that's generated from investments within them. So it is a obvious direct comparison to make the pension and the ISA. Um, I like to. I see it as kind of free pots uh, um, and I kind of put one pot to one side because I think it's it's a bit of a no-brainer. So work, workplace pension scheme where the employer is prepared to contribute into it, um, you know, you could almost see that as kind of free money on top of your salary that they're putting aside for your retirement. 
So for me, those ones absolutely should join those schemes. Your employers contributing, you know, decent amounts of money into it. Okay, you may have to contribute as well. Um, and then they also have some matching rules where if you put in X percent, they'll put in, you know, the same again. So so for me, I put those to one side and and kind of see those as absolutely usually they're a no-brainer um, where your employer is going to contribute above your your normal salary package. But then if you look at personal pensions and, and ISIS, there's a very similar comparison there. Um, and, and the key really is it, it, tax on the way in or tax on the way out is the way that I see those um, those wrappers. So the pension has obvious um, immediate tax reliefs that you can get from, from contributing towards the pension, either operating a relief at source or a net pay arrangement. But the end result compared to an ISA is that you're likely to have more money to start with with your investment in pension than with the ISA because your ISA is probably coming from salary that's been taxed and you can't get that back. So the pension immediately stands out as a, as a winner against the ISA in that sense. Um, but then when you look to, okay, well, when I come to take the money out, then it kind of flips on its head because the ISA is tax-free on the way out and only the pension, a proportion of it, 25%, is tax-free and the rest is taxable. Um, so that kind of almost flips the argument back on itself. So I think they're quite quite neutral in that sense. So for me, the answer is probably both, but the client or the individual involved, it's it's probably their objectives, their age their desire for the money when they might need to access it is probably the likely driver um, for how much they will put into each. So I think have both, but the levels of contribution will be very dependent on the individual because with the pension for a 25, 30-year-old, it's probably a hard sell to say, put, put all this money into your pension, but you can't touch it for 40 years um, compared to perhaps you know, 50, 55, 60. It's a much more immediate end goal that they can see. So it probably depends on the levels of contribution on, on the individuals involved, but, but both um, is my short answer to that question. Of course. And then, of course, we've also got the annual allowance, which, you know, puts a bit of a, a kind of curveball on, on this, on the pension kind of savings um, debate. I mean, what, what are the current, what, what are you kind of seeing, what kind of arguments along, along the annual allowance? Yeah, I mean, it, it's quite generous. I mean, it's £40,000. So I would imagine for the majority of people, the annual allowance isn't um, too much of a limit that they they get too close to. Obviously, it does taper for high earners um, or if you start to draw on your pension, um, you, you get a tapered allowance as well. There are allowances that you can contribute to the pension. Um, but, but yeah, you know, for most people, um, I would say 40,000 covers what they would be able to contribute to towards their pension scheme. So um, not too much in this area. I mean, a lot of what we do, again, in Q1 of the year is a reminder about maximising the money, really, that goes into those pension schemes. Um, and, and you can get some, you know, real added benefit um, for certain individuals. Certainly higher, higher rate taxpayers can see good savings when money goes into into pension wrappers, anybody that's losing their personal allowance because of the 100,000 taper, again, you can see really good rates of relief um, for those individuals that are making pension contributions to bring their net adjusted income down for the year. Um, you know, child benefit, um, individuals that pay the child benefit charge, again, making contributions to pensions can start um, seeing good rates of relief there because they can reclaim some of those benefits that they would have a charge against. So, um, there's some of those things in those areas that we 
that we work on um, for, for added benefit for pension contributions above the obvious um, relief available. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned the child benefits, um, the way of the, how you can use child benefit to um, for tax planning purposes with pensions. Um, now, let's talk a bit about relief at source planning. What what exactly is it? Can you describe it? What are the opportunities there for financial advisors and their clients? Yeah, yeah. So this, uh, I, I quite like this area because it's where you can combine um, the kind of discussion around the obvious saving for your retirement is a good idea. There's some reliefs available within the pension that make it even better for you. Um, but if you can combine that with something else that might be happening in that year, like child benefit charge that individuals between 50 and 60 might be incurring or those between 100 and 124-ish um, income, if you can combine it to, to get even better savings from other areas, um, then it's even more valuable. So some of the things um, that we like to play on is if you have capital gains during the year above the annual exemption, um, and particularly for individuals that are around the basic rate, higher rate threshold, um, and the capital gain is added on top of that to establish whether it's chargeable at 10 or 20, or if it's property gains 18 or 28. Um, so if you make a pension contribution, relief at source pension contribution, um, it's quite quite a neat little um, trick where you can stretch the band to absorb the gain to not only obviously reap the benefits of a pension contribution, but also reduce the capital gains tax rate that you might pay on a gain that is, is moving into a higher rate. Um, and you can do the same exercise with bond gains. So if during the year you had a client that had a, an onshore bond gain and that gain was just straddling the um, basic rate band into the higher rate band, a relief at source pension contribution extending the band might be able to absorb um, the the aggregate or sliced on gain to avoid a higher rate of tax on it. Um, so it's those extra plays on, you know, yes, you get the benefits that you normally get with a pension contribution, but for some individuals that have had another event during the year, they can add extra uh, value for those customers by extending the band and absorbing a gain. Okay, um, of course, we're only talking about relief at source planning here. Net pay schemes are out of this um, equation altogether. Yeah, so net pay would, would reduce your taxable income um, by coming straight off um, your salary and into the scheme. So yeah, this is relief at source. So you've been paid um, your wage and you want to do a contribution to a personal pension. You receive 20% immediately and then further relief is claimed via self-assessment. So it's it's that kind of um, planning that we're looking at here where they're making a personal contribution, relief at source, extends the band. Um, and obviously the conversation around now could be, right, we've got a gain of 5,000 above the exemption that's going to be at 28% because it was on a, a property gain. If we made a pension contribution to extend that band, we could only pay 18% on that and you obviously get the added benefit that you've, you've made provisions for your retirement. Absolutely. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about the capital gains tax exemption. What is it and how can advisors use it best? Yeah, so I actually, uh, so I was talking earlier about what we do in, in Q1 um, at Quilter. So I did a, a presentation on uh, maximising the value of CGT um, as, as part of our kind of tax year end run up. 
Um, so the things I touched on, so, so we've, we've talked about contributing to ISAs. The bed and ISAs is a pretty standard practice. I'd class that as my tidy up time. Um, you know, do you have unwrapped investments that you could move into a, a tax efficient wrapper? And if you do, now would be a good time to do that to, to maximize it. But obviously what you need to just watch out for is, okay, well, if I put 20 in or, or 40 into, you know, a couple's ISAs from an unwrapped investment, what gain would that realize um, in doing that? Um, and and is, it, is it within the annual exemption? Um, so I guess bed and ISAs would be number one, get it into a tax wrapper, but just understand the gains that that would realize. Once the bed and ISA is out of the way, what is left of my annual exemption for the year? And how can I best make use of that? Because the problem with the annual exemption for CGT is it's use it or lose it. So if I don't use it this year, I don't get another extra bit that carries forward. I just get the same 12300 as it is now, which is frozen as well. So it's best to use it every single year to avoid gains accruing over you know, five, 10 year periods. And then you have one massive gain that gets realized in one year and then you pay tax when you don't really need to. So it's about and aggregating that gain each year to make sure that it doesn't get realized in one year. So the exercise really is what assets are carrying gains, which ones can I sell with minimum cost and minimum barriers um, and, and you know move them into an alternative investment potentially for you know a 30-day window and then move them back. Um, and then you've realized the gain, you've reset the clock, and then you can do that each year. And then when they do come to exit, the investment overall, you haven't got all those gains over, you know, five, 10 years all coming out in one go, you've managed them along the way. So that's the kind of CGT message that, that we would give is year on year exercise, realise gains, reset clock, don't do it all in one go. Right, very interesting. Um, are there any other allowances you can think of that um, advisors should have on their checklist in those kind of final three weeks? I guess the only other ones that stand out, um, you know, IHT gifting allowance. Um, so if you've got a client that is looking to do IHT planning, sadly, it's only quite a small amount still and quite a bit's made of the fact that it's been £3,000 a year for, for a long time now. But, but you know, it's still £3,000 a year and you can use a previous year. So if you hadn't done it last year, you could do six. So for a couple, that could be 12. Um, so yes, you could you could be looking at a customer or a client that has um, IHT planning in the near future to do, and you know making gifts um, of of the annual exemption could be an exercise that you looked at towards the end of the year, kind of Q one of a calendar year. Um, you know, have, have you made any gifts yet? Do you want to make any? Do you want to make any provisions for a child, grandchild, etc.? Um, and like I said, you could do six thousand if you hadn't done one in the previous year. Um, in a similar space, um, IHT gifts out of normal expenditure. So if, if you've got a, a, an individual that's got, um, you know, relatively good income levels, their expenditure means that they've got an excess, um, you, you can make gifts out of that excess as well each year. Um, so less obvious allowances and exemptions, really. But if you do have a um, an individual that, that is looking to, start their IHT kind of planning and they've built up wealth, um, you know, there's two frequently used exemptions each year that you can make that get immediate IHT savings. Um, so don't forget about those as well. That's great. Thanks for that. Um, just one question 
I, I have to ask, before we even get to the end of the tax year, we've got a spring statement in the way. Do you expect any of those allowances to kind of be on a chopping block anytime soon? It's funny, we we're just talking about that with a colleague, actually, just before I came in. Someone someone stopped me and uh, talked about the spring statement. Um, I don't see any significant changes. Um, and now, obviously, I have no insight into that other than just expectations. But, you know, we have um, the NI levy and the dividend increase that's already due um, in April. You know, cost of living is, is well documented. Um, you know, oil prices. Um, heating costs, etc. Um, I, I can't imagine too many significant changes in that area. A lot of these allowances as well that we've discussed have already been confirmed to be frozen until 2026. So they're definitely not going to move um, in that space. So I would imagine, you know, if anything, small tweaks here and there rather than anything significant. Um, but certainly the allowances we've discussed um, most, if not all, have been confirmed to be frozen um, for, for several years yet. But I, but I would probably say, particularly with CGT, because it's use it or lose it and there's no carry forward, um, make the most of it whilst it is quite generous, because 12300 a year um, is, is quite generous for the majority. Not, not too much of the population pays CGT. It's quite a small proportion. Um, so make the most of it um, because it has been on the agenda under a, re a review. So you never know when it might not be as generous as it is at the moment. So whilst they are there, you, you make the most of them. Absolutely. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much, Sean. It was great to talk to you today. No problem. Thank you, Carmen. And thank you for listening. Please tune in again next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.